Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. I'm Gabe Mountain. I'm Stephen Cohen. And this is Shut Up, I Love It. A podcast where we invite our guest on to champion an aspect of pop culture that is underappreciated or undervalued or just generally unknown. You may remember from last week, uh, there's been a little shakeup for the holidays. Uh, and sitting in the co-host chair today is former guest Gabe Mountain, who you, of course, remember from the Days of Thunder episode. Thank you for being here, Gabe. I'm very happy to be back. Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem. And uh, we have a very special guest today. Who is it? She is a writer and comedian. Uh, she has written for Robot Chicken. She... <laughs> She portrays the character Yuri in Yuri's Cat Circus at Catsby uh, once, a, once a month, once a month at the clubhouse in, in uh, Los Angeles. She is Sasha Filer. Hello, this person clapping in the background is not me. I just want to make it clear. Yeah, uh, Sasha may be unfamiliar to our listeners, but, but that voice you just heard is Sasha. Uh, Hello again. Yeah, thank you for being here, Sasha. Thank you for having me. <laughs> a long commute for you. Uh, yes, all the way downstairs from upstairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, well, happy uh, New Year's Eve to all the listeners. My favorite holiday. For Russian people, it is the biggest holiday of all holidays. So this is a very special time for me to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and much like last week, we are celebrating by having one of the hosts of the podcast champion something that they love so sasha why don't you tell us what you're here to talk about today i want to talk about a subject very dear to my heart and it is a comedian and clown and actor and his name is juzo yoshida and he's my very good friend and guess what i figured why not bring him here with me today so he's also here in the studio yeah. Hello. <laughs> that that's him. Uh straight from Britain. Uh Juzo is joining us as well today. That's the thing. I don't really don't know what character Juzo might be doing today. So we'll just let him we'll just let him figure it out. Born in Scotland and oh. brought up in Wales. <laughs> yeah. But I can, I, I, can hear hmm? I can hear it in your voice. In London now. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, thank you for... Did you take a ship to get here or did you fly? Did you take a ship? Yes, I took a shit. Oh, my God. She's like, can you not yell as much? Oh, I know. Okay, okay. It's not a theater. Okay. Uh, Just be you. Uh, Well, I mean... no. uh, No, no, I don't don't mean just be you. I mean, don't don't let our audio things constrain you. Be be Juzo however you choose to be This is my first time podcast, so... I don't know how to control my volume. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, he's here and uh, he'll probably have something to say throughout the podcast. I can't control that. We wouldn't want or you to. Or not. <laughs> Be as vocal as you'd like, Juzo. Yeah, this is a donuts hyper. That's true. Sasha brought uh, some very special superstore donuts to the show today. Uh, and we've all had some. All high in sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm having right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, Juzo's eating on mic. Uh, it's ASMR for our listeners. You're welcome. 
So anyway, I feel like I should tell you guys, those especially people, y'all, who don't know about Juzu Yoshida, there's there's good amount of people who know about him, and there's probably majority of population on the planet that unfortunately doesn't yet know about Juzu Yoshida. So I want to give him give you uh, a little bio about this person. Please. Juzu was born in Nagoya, Japan, which Ooh. is yeah, it's a town that I passed by on the bullet train when I went to Japan. <laughs> And I felt very excited. After college, he came to America to manage properties for a Tokyo firm. That Ooh. that sounds suspicious. Manage properties. Import, export. <laughs> he had a very special relationship with his mom, which comes up as a theme in his art and his comedy. And one of the words uh, that she gave him before she passed, sadly, she told him, do not regret your life when you're halfway into a casket. And those words propelled him from being, what, a salary man? Yes, a businessman, salary man. To becoming, you know, the crazy funny person that he is right now sitting next to me. An actor. An actor. Uh, with the British accent. Yeah, and a comedian that I think changes, you know, hearts and minds of a lot of people. I think he inspires a lot of people who get to see him live. I think he's very memorable, and it's just sort of a shame that he hasn't made it as big as Tom Cruise, you know, the big comedian <laughs> of Hollywood. I would say definitely they're the same type. Yeah, that's why Juzo he came to mind. Same height. <laughs> yes, but yes, probably true. Although, yeah. Juzo does like to wear high heels once in a while, right? It's not a high heel, it's a boots. Happen to have high heels. <laughs> <laughs> so does Tom Cruise, I hear. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Juzo, do you ever carry around an apple box that you can hop on? Oh, wow. That's um, my college theme. I had a um, tall girlfriend in college days. How tall? She was 100. 71 centimeters. So one centimeter, two centimeters shorter than me, which I don't know what that is, guys. But Can you, Sasha, how tall but, are you in feet? Do you know? <laughs> but we were called Apple Box. Um, No. And yes. No, no. Mikan, Mikan Box. Mandarin. Uh, Tangerine. Box couple. Okay. And I'm five, eight and a half slash nine, five, five, nine. I think since I started doing a lot of hot yoga, and I don't know if it's true or not, my back grew longer. Oh, which, no. Your spine extended. That's what they say. And mm. I think I went from five, uh, eight and a half to five, nine. Nice. Congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Was that a goal or was that just a side effect? <laughs> side effect. I, should, I guess I should start doing it. I might finally hit six feet. Yeah. Oh, are it's you five, been... eleven and a half? I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm probably not even. I'm probably just under five eleven. Yeah. Do you think I could get an inch plus? I don't know. It's something you should ask them. Borrow what? Juzu's uh, boots with the heels. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I was not... gonna say that. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Um. So yeah, there's more to Juzu, but this is like sort of his core wound. You know, his mom passing mm. away and the beginning of his hero's journey that he's still on. In that, my opinion, that's a very beautiful sentiment that she shared with you, Juzo. I, I, I find that to be a very touching idea. And I think it's true. You know, like I live, I try to live every day and I can't help to live every day, reminding myself that we're not going to last forever. And every day is a chance to do something fun or, you know, something that you can be proud of. And it's uh, terrifying to take a big step and make a huge change 
uh, as you know, as you get into adulthood, it's like, no, this is what I do now. And so to to go after something you love is beautiful. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, because um, I wanted to be an actor when I was in elementary school. But mom kind of told me that uh, that's for hobby. Mm. TV people are different than us. So that kind of nailed in my deep inside of my mind. And then when I was choosing my career after and in college, I chose a business person, but um, I was never happy. And uh, my mother knew that I wasn't happy. So she kind of released me from that idea that I, I assumed. She didn't tell me that. I just assumed. Mm-hmm. And then she knew I was suffering in a way. So she kind of released me before she passed. The cool thing about Juzo, and as you can tell already just by listening to him, is that he carries a very amazing um, mix of, well, pathos and comedy in him. Like, anytime you see Juzo perform live, and I don't know, maybe it was the same thing with the, the plays that he did early in his acting career that I haven't seen. But definitely when he performs improv and clowning, you get to see him being very funny. He's capable of doing things that nobody will be able to get away with. Um, and do it in a funny way that would immediately take over the entire audience. And he can also be very sad at the same time and go through like this like deep emotions on stage. And people would immediately empathize with him. So his ability to turn on empathy in like a stranger is one of the amazing things that I think he has that I haven't really seen uh, other performers have. Mm. Yeah, I'm emotional being yo <laughs> yeah does i mean is that a good uh jumping off point for you to explain how this episode might be a little bit different from the usual episodes <laughs> yeah i mean usually we bring in the pop of part of pop culture <laughs> I can never say that. usually we bring in a piece of pop culture that's a movie or a tv show or something else to talk about but to me juzo is a piece of pop culture that mm. is still in the margins. He's been um, staple on the comedy scene in Los Angeles for as long as we've known each other, which I was trying to remember, Juzo, how long we've known each other. Do you have any idea? At least eight years. At least. Yeah, because I've been doing comedy, live comedy for nine years, and I was like, felt like I was a veteran at the time I met him, which makes me think that I was probably one year into doing comedy. <laughs> like, that happens a lot when you take that like. That is when you feel like, oh, I've, I've been in the shit. Yeah. I've been doing comedy for seven months. But she taught me a lot, though. Yeah. The f- first biggest lesson I learned from Sasha was Juzo, don't talk about it, just do it. So since then, I've been just doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's very the, nice of you. But yeah. The thing is, Juzo, Sasha just stole that from the Nike ad campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. like So yeah, I was probably like finishing up my 401 at UCB thinking that like <laughs> I made it. and I'll be on a Herald team next week. I'd be on a Herald team in no time. They're, di- they're waiting for, they're going to push <laughs> auditions earlier so they can have me as I'm soon as possible. I'm not even going to have to audition. Which some people haven't. And I thought I am that person that is not yeah. going to need to audition. I think everyone thinks that. We know some people who still think that, I think. <laughs> yeah, after years and years. <laughs> yeah, but the Herald Audition is a whole other thing. And I think actually, speaking of Herald Auditions and something that I, I think it's maybe a, a lot of Los Angeles improvisers can relate to, 
when you start up doing improv and you believe in UCB so much and you think that is like the church of improv in some way, um, you think that becoming a Herald team member at UCB is the highest form of um, approval that can come in your life as a comedian. And Juzu is one of those people that I think growing on the margins as a comedian and kind of making his own stuff and doing his own thing and being like so much funnier than many people who may be performing UCB like or maybe you know like he kind of showed me the way of you just got to do what's right for you and develop your own voice and hopefully something will come from it and if not at this time then at least I'm gonna have fun every day and have people who enjoy me and my stuff so Sasha what are some of the uh, ways that Juzo does express his art like what are does he what shows does he do Is right he... so his career I mean I'm just gonna talk you know instead of reading a bio that I have in my hands I, I'm gonna just talk about sort of like what I know of him so I met Juzo when an IO West RIP doesn't exist this beautiful IO West uh, Los Angeles theater but we were taking a Craig Kakowski one-off workshop that was part of like IO West's festival and um, that day I actually met another cool comedian Dhruv uh, Singh who's mm. really great and still we consider him our good friend but um, I wish him uh, to be doing great at UCB where he did succeed because he I think is an example of a person who perfectly fits the UCB um, sort of uh, maybe not requirement but UCB uh, model of uh, great comedian so but meeting Juzo that day I was like who is this dude like you know he looks very Japanese may I ask can I say that yes. it just sound very yes. racist but he's he looks very Japanese like he yes. doesn't he doesn't he's, for listeners he's wearing a kimono right now and he's <laughs> he's holding a katana yes <laughs> yeah he you know he's by a couple of years at the time, right? Maybe older than anybody in the class yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah, and just is not probably ashamed of that. Like, he again, he found himself... In 40s. In the 40s, mm. yeah. yeah. Mm. So most people are in the 20s, right? Sitting in that room. And I, and I just see, like, he has, you know, freaking energy about him that is really funny and sincere. And at the same time, I don't know, like very charming and uh welcoming like you, you want to come over and say hello which i did and i also heard that he has an accent so in my mind i was like i just met somebody who has an accent and he's doing improv and at the time eight years ago or so we don't know it was a very very rare occurrence at the time there were only juzo me and this uh uh funny woman Alice Garden uh, Brazilian uh, comedian that were doing like sort of improv in the scene mm -hmm. and there were no other Foreigner. no other foreigners so I knew of Alice and then I meet Juzo and I'm like this is amazing like you immediately connect with the person whose first language is not English because they're doing improv like one of the hardest things to do probably is you know be funny in the not your language probably i was only less than six months in learning improv so i had no idea if there are or not about um, foreign improvisers and um i just didn't see anybody look like me in a, from mm. the classes mm. mostly uh white people i sure. mean and i'm of course not white yeah so in that workshop i felt a little bit relieved to see poc um 
for the first time. Not me. But yeah, there were some POCs, right? With Drew was right. there and stuff like that. But also, so there's one way uh, I, I imagine. Well, I imagine people connect, right? People of color, I imagine, connect in a room full of white people with people yeah. who are not that. But also there's the other level, like we're just talking about, is that realizing we are from a foreign country and we're doing this in a language that's not ours. And yeah. so I think that was our connection between Juzu and I. Yeah, it was. Uh, we connected di- kind of deeply right away mm-hmm. that uh, we don't have to, we didn't have to speak to each other to be connected. We just had a deeper understanding of each other where we are at. And especially the... Um, improv climate is heavily shifted into American pop culture, which we were not that familiar with. Yeah, I'm still not versed at pop culture as a regular American improviser would be. But um, anyway, so we uh, met and I was like, let's make a team. Let's make a foreign language team right away. And so this team came to be called Broken English with two E's, right? Hmm. Yes. It was Alice... Uh, Juzumi, and then the fourth, I guess, uh, what, is, what is he? Peruvian. Peruvian uh, national, Ivan, do not know his last name. Orlik. Yeah, Ivan Orlik, the most, like, Polish or Russian-sounding name, but dude from <laughs> Peru, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we made this four-person team that had nothing in common except being foreigners, and we won 18? Eight, 18 straight weeks. 18 straight weeks of iOS... Um, cage match weekly wow. cage match wow. we had a following there was like 40 people always coming to see us because it was like a new thing every nobody, week yeah nobody was doing that like you know Cadsby and you know, Chad Damiani like put together a lot of interesting diverse teams these days for years now but this is in a day where people only saw mostly white straight dudes doing improv yeah. so it was very strange for people and I think Juice, of course, was the star of the team, and I was trying to support, and Alice is very smart, and then Ivan was like the wild card. And so we kind of like just had the worst and the best shows together, and we <laughs> went against really strong teams, like like just I.O. veterans. We went against um, uh, Private Street, which was very hot at the time. It was like one of the hottest. I think we won by one vote against Private Street, which a lot, is a huge a lot thing. of lot of times but uh you know i wasn't star i was just uh being free really and um sasha put together always that the make uh made sense out of me so it was um actually all sasha's work because she had to work in order to make sense out of me because i was just all over i just um unpredictable being which i think is a classic you know comedy duo is usually like one person is you know, a wild card, and another person is trying to make sense of a straight woman or straight man. But anyway, so that's like the main sort of beginnings of Juzo, I think, in the comedy scene. So it sounds like the reason Juzo would be a good fit for the podcast is not so much that uh, he is underrated as much as people have not had the chance to rate him. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things like he is so funny and he's so interesting. He's very unique. And there are hopefully more and more roles in film and TV that invite this, you know, Japanese uh, funny man uh, type. Yet it's like hard to break in. And um, Juice has done a bunch of national commercials and he's been doing stuff with this clown guru called Dr. Brown. His real name is Phil, Phil Burgers. Phil Burgers. He owns Lyric Hyperion um, uh, Theater in Silver Lake, and he does very cool work in the film projects and TV projects with 
FXX is it or FX? Yeah, FXX. FXX FX. channel lately. So mm-hmm. Juice has been starting getting like opportunities to perform in this like very strange and surreal, edgy TV shows that Dr. Brown puts together. But um, Juice was yet to have like a Marvel movie, you know, that would bring him more money and, uh, you know, uh, viewership. Uh, one way you can check out Juice's work right now is to uh, look at the, is it a, an episode of a Sarah Silverman produced show called Please Understand Me. Facebook Watch or Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, and it features Juzo and uh, one of his comedy partners, Chad Damiani, a former guest on the show, uh, in the duo that they used to perform called Jetso. They're getting some uh, therapy, right? That's the conceit. I had a question about that piece. Is the therapist a real therapist? Yes, uh, the licensed real therapist. Does she know what's going on? I mean, she knows there's cameras directed at her, right? Like, what's the deal there? No, she was... um free to say whatever she wanted to say as a therapist of ours. So she took our words seriously. But she knew you guys were being characters, right? Yes, yes, yes. But she was was explained. But she was reacting to the characters the way she would react to real people. Exactly. Interesting. It is a very cool way to see what Jetso, this duo of Chad's and Juzo's, uh, was all about on the screen because they no longer exist as... um, live team like live to see um at a theater but it really portrays well what their vibe was yeah uh, having seen uh, probably like 40 at least jetso shows in my lifetime i think it was one of the most amazing and groundbreaking comedy acts in los angeles comedy scene in the last decade for sure and it inspired a lot of people to do their own thing and turn into clowning and things like that that were not a thing at all to do 10 years ago mm-hmm. because, again, everybody only wanted to be on the Herald team. And all of a sudden it's like, no, you can do other stuff and be as happy as can be. Uh, two questions. Uh, UCB, is that Uncut Cat Booties? What it, yes. Upright <laughs> Citizens Brigade? Is it the Upright Citizens Brigade? Yes. What is that? Yeah, it's like the... The, the, well, I would say like six years ago, it was the improv theater in LA. Okay. Like it was where all of the young comedy talent was coming out of. People had moved away from caring so much about Groundlings, which Mm -hmm. is where like a lot of the 90s Saturday Night Live people came from. Mm -hmm. And UCB was more like the, the hip kind of like alternative improv place it's become pretty corporate now they have this huge school training center on sunset boulevard so uh it's a little different okay but um yeah and uh so you know when we all were starting uh comedy that's where we that was the place to go Mm -hmm. i went through ucb as well Mm -hmm. okay jetsu uh was sort of juzo's i would say next chapter after broken english Broke up because um, we we lost, right? We lost. Yeah, we lost on on the nineteenth week of. It was a really close loss. I think, but it was we were one vote, and I was heart, heartbroken actually. Yeah, Juzo was very upset for 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 a while, and so was I. But that so broken English disbanded after it was a very stressful eighteen week run. It was just mm-hmm. like too much. We uh, and I think some people wanted like Yvonne maybe wanted to pursue producing, which mm-hmm. he's produced huge Hollywood movies like Pele, Birth of a Nation with producer Brian Grazer and stuff like that. 
And so bro Broken English didn't exist anymore, but Juice and I continued doing two-person shows for a while. Yeah. And at this time, Juice started doing improv with Chad Demiani, who was also coming up at the same time. And they created this clown slash improv duo Jetso, which the premise of that, Juice, would you describe the premise of that team? The biggest thing, the difference from conventional improv is that we broke fourth walls. Mm -hmm. um, just like um, regular clown acts, uh, we were well, like a hybrid of of improv and the clowning, and which is usually like the UCB system f frowns upon that, like acknowledging the audience. But uh, teachers never objected to it when I was doing that in the class shows. I sure. broke fourth wall, and then it's that kind of thing where it's like a rule, but. Someone who's good at it can break the rule. Which right? is actually a perfect description for everything Juzo does. <laughs> like, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it. Most people wouldn't be able to do it. They would like look like a bad attempt and, you know, it just not read well. But Juzo is capable of doing these things that most people would be like, why are you creating more nonsense on stage right now instead of justifying which UCB wants you to well Juzo can do that and win over the audience and at the end of the day if you're funny is all that matters because that's the only yeah. rule in comedy really so yeah I think I was justified by the audience actually it's a it's mm -hmm. a class show and then I get laughs from audience and they've never seen anything like it of course so um teacher wasn't objecting to they didn't even one line of notes about wh what are you doing? Well, who are you talking to? Kind of stuff that nonsense. To me, it's nonsense. But uh, I've heard from scene partners, but I've never heard from teachers. Mm. So, and just to also, like, I feel like this is an important piece of information that uh, when we talk about clown or clowning, like, people may not know what we talk about, right? So, yeah, I... We're talking about Ronald McDonald, the mascot <laughs> from McDonald's. So, like, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure Gabe, like, right? Like, you want to know what this clowning is about. Right, yeah, and where that comes from, if that was, you know, something that you enjoyed in your childhood or, like, how that how that came about as a, as a tool for you to use in your comedy. Right, so, like, did you, like, do you even like clowns when you were coming up, like, when you was a kid? Or... Actually, I didn't know about the clowning or theatrical clown. I thought clowning was uh, the party clown that the makeup and then mm. red nose and wah 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 and those kind of <laughs> comedic act but um actual clowning yeah like a european style theatrical clown it's pretty emotional stuff like a jeffrey rush went through um same technique as i have mm. which is um lecoq technique which is invented by jack lecoq in in last century and um, a lot of um, actors, like a Sasha Baron Cohen, went through that as well. And as um, Mr. Beans is is part of it. And uh, I don't know everybody, but a lot of people had that experience. Like a Charlie Chaplin, the first Hollywood star, had that technique. And of course, um, Lucia Ball had that technique as well. And a lot of others. And um, I'm utilizing those um, Lecoq technique into... Um, conventional acting as well because um it's very very emotional honest truthful acting would you describe it like in a layman's or laywoman's terms like to gabe for example like what is this how is it different from improv or like what is this like what are the pieces of this art because it is hard to explain when you say emotional or whatever like i think it has to do with something that happens in the moment right and you just build on what happens in the moment and you communicate with the audience. Like, that's how I, best what I would describe that. Yeah. Uh, uh, I di what I differentiate from 
conventional, some improv is that uh, there's an improv acting. There's a very interesting phenomenon that the improvisers um, act certain way. But um, I act as if that character is me. So I'm very truthful to myself at that moment, any moment, given moment. Uh, that truthfulness is the key factor in the, in the um, clowning. I think the other key factor, just from watching you, I think is always like making people laugh. And a lot of times you would let yourself to get emotional and maybe even sad and even cry on stage. But then you would do something stupid uh, in the best <laughs> possible way, like rolling a hot dog cart across the stage <laughs> screaming, hot dog, hot dog. And, you know, just for some reason, it's like one of the most memorable things of any performances ever that I've seen, including the greats of UCB. Like, it's just there's certain things and he does very simple things, uh, but very honest and sincere and happy. Right. Like the joy that he has on stage, I think, is a very big uh, reason why the audience enjoys him. I simply love make uh, audience laugh or make audience happy. It just um pure joy for me it doesn't i don't have to get paid or i don't have to have any endorsement or or um i don't have to be um be not valid um validated validated i just love people smiling at me just on that that's that's a world to me it'd be nice to get paid though (laughs) not of course it is it's in ideal world yeah I think it's very interesting how uh, when you're on stage, having just seen you know videos and stuff, that you'll uh, portray sadness in a way that is funny. And I, th- I don't know that in American culture, I don't know. That's not something that I think of necessarily with improv and, and comedy. It was, it's a surprising thing that you find yourself laughing with someone being sad, but it's not necessarily laughing at them. It's laughing at the absurdity of the situation. And it's, it's how it's the timing that you let the sad expression or the sad... Uh, whatever you said that is just sad, like sit for a second before tra- the way you transition out of it or something. It's, it's like a surprising laugh, which is like, it's like that kind of like that laughter through tears, Dolly Parton, uh, you know, thing. I absolutely agree. And that's what I'm thinking about pathos always. Like when I think of Jews with pathos is, is his like main thing, which means like there's just something happening on stage that comes from a lot of suffering, but there's also the big release of uh, laughter and maybe tears that uh, a lot of times audience experiences. I just know it from going to shows and seeing Juzo uh, do something where like maybe he's playing a child who's been abused, but then he does something funny and a different character at the same time. And the audience goes from ah to, you know, laughing their brains out. So it's like any show, any live show, you know, it's the best ways to experience the whole gamma of emotions. And Juzo is a good uh, sort of trigger to experience that. I agree. As someone who has seen Juzo perform many times. I was fascinated in watching the videos. Of, you provide a very rich experience. And, and you rely on the elements of music. And the guy playing the instrument on stage can also have a funny quip every once in a while. And um, it just like all of them come together to create a really rich improv experience that was new to me and, um, and delightful. <laughs> Juzo also does. I have to bring it up. Like if, you, if you've seen Juzo, like if you haven't, you should know this. Juzu is capable of doing very, like, he likes to push boundaries on stage. He likes to push boundaries on stage 
sexually. He likes to push boundaries on stage emotionally, like we mentioned before. And he likes to push boundaries PC-wise on stage mm. as well. Juzo is one of the few people that I know can get away and it's questionable whether he can or not, but I've never seen anybody being upset by him doing something. When he portrays characters that are not him at all like you know um people of other races uh people you know definitely of other genders and stuff like that and he gets away with it like now the question is would i get away with it if i were doing it the answer is probably no they forgive him immediately for that because there's something very disarming and innocent about it i think part of it might be the way that juzo plays the fool which I, you know, I don't mean in the in the derogatory sense, but I mean in like the classical the idiot, right? The clown sense. idiot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the way that uh, Juzo plays the fool so well, it, it kind of disarms the audience, and then he can pull the rug out from under them in a really exciting way. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, what he does, I haven't performed with him or seen him perform over years. I notice, and I know his moves where he's manipulating the audience. Like, he's this little fucker. Like, he, <laughs> like, you know, people think he's innocent, and I've just called him innocent. But in some ways, he's very meticulous, and he knows exactly. He reads the audience so well, and he knows when it's time to give him some tears. He knows when it's time to turn. It, like, he knows when he has them to do a character of an African-American woman who works nail salon and he knows when it's time to uh then turn you know their world upside down and be like an abused child like he always has the right timing for the audience and he doesn't mind failing at like the few times when the audience maybe is not ready for it he just still wanted to try it and say he just moves on from it uh, the subject of black ladies i just love them and i just adore them and i i have a very bottom line respect for them and so when i portray them black people love more than white people white people usually oh like they were shocked and then black people yell at me like a go juzo go juzo i'm like of course i'll go that's a one example of what's going on on stage yeah usually a lot of times (laughs) pushing those boundaries uh, in the moment yeah also um abuse abuse child i was abuse child so mm. i'm not saying that i'm entitled to do it but i love to bring up the issue and then i'm not going to solve it because i'm not the solution but um you could have your own conclusion and solutions in yourself well and you present it in a way where the audience feels like they're part of it like when you can make someone feel like they're inside the joke then it's not like you're making fun of them necessarily. It's hard to explain, but it's like you make it. So it, it seems like you're inviting people into the joke. And so we can all laugh about it. And there is, I don't know, there is healing in like being able to talk about stuff and being able to laugh about stuff and not take it super seriously all the time. Because I'm truthful about that character. Yeah. Uh, that's the difference. I'm not making fun of them. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. that. And you are living it emotionally, truthfully, so people can empathize with you. But also I just noticed that maybe a healing, I think is a big aspect of what, Juzo brings on stage for the audience is healing. That's why people like to come back and see maybe sometimes a similar act of what you do, but because that experience always uh, rings truth differently for you on each different day as an audience member. You know, it's like playing the same song that you love maybe sometimes because on this day it will resonate with you differently than on the day that you're sad or on the day that you're happy. And I think that that's also Catsby's theme is 
group healing, right, through laughter. Um, it's a show that Chad Demiani, our previous guest, and a friend and former uh, partner in Jetso with Juzo, he brought together this, you know, people who probably were upset at some point that they didn't make it as Herald teams at UCB, although some of them maybe have. And they chose to instead do indie groundbreaking stuff that is happening at the clubhouse in Los Angeles these days more so than at UCB theater. Yeah. I'm one thing I was thinking about is, um, Juzo, you are willing to, uh, allow yourself, the performer to be the butt of a joke, but the characters are not, are not, or the characters you perform are never the butt of the, the joke's never on them. The joke might be on you, Juzo, but it's never on the character that you're performing. They're which usually is a, cocky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually the chosen one of some sort. Oh, there's always a chosen one. Yeah. Special child, yeah. like uh, the angel. Double Golden six. child. <laughs> <laughs> and British persons. Like Harry Potter, maybe? Harry Potter, of course. Right. Uh, just made a from your Scottish roots, you uh, fully understand. <laughs> I was just born. Mm -hmm. You were just in born? Scotland. You were just born. An hour ago. It's been a quick trip. <laughs> so, Sasha, why why do you... You mentioned earlier that Juzo hasn't had his Marvel movie moment. Why? Well, you know, what, what, what's, what's holding... What's, what's Hollywood waiting for? I think it's one of those things. I think one of them has to do with the fact that only recently the casting has improved in mm -hmm. the sense that it's allowing more roles and more opportunities for people of color. And Juzo is a very specific type. You know, there's only so many commercials it can do with like a corporate Japanese guy, like eating, you know, uh, noodles and going, oh, yeah. look, yeah. a monster is coming, you know, which is like one of his main, I think. That's my forte. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I feel like it's just something that is extremely popular, extremely popular, like in the Marvel movie level can't be really good like like to me these days my favorite writer is Stephen King who is very prolific and very popular right there's so much wisdom that I can go and get from his books or from his book that I currently re-listening to on writing as a writer mm. so you know for example like to me Stephen King is an example of somebody very popular beloved by millions if not billions of people but then there's also artists who are doing their thing in a such a sincere way without trying to match anything that exists outside. They're really going by their inner calling, shaping their own voice, that they may never become as popular as, maybe, or maybe they will. You know, like there's just no way, like if you're not Tom Cruise, but you are um, a smaller actor who's extremely talented, he's doing something in a small theater for um, a crowd that only... Uh, you know, goes as far as a hundred people at a time. You can be as good as Tom Cruise at being that actor, but it's like your voice, like there's just no room for you in Hollywood, maybe at mm. this time. Like, I think that a lot of it has to do with sort of the Harold team structure. You could be an extremely funny person and super talented, but there's just not no room for you on the Herald team. Like, they don't know what to do with you. And I bet you there's people like that that all the UCB, you know, Herald uh, committee people know of in the indie world. And they're just like, these people don't fit because they are outside of norm. They're outliers. And I think Juzu is that. Like, he has a voice that's yet to find its shape, right? But I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I think... 
there's nothing else you can do but go on and shape your own voice and just change the landscape of comedy. I think I'm borrowing these words from Matt Walsh, actually. But it's the words of, like, when I heard those words a long time ago, I was like, inspired me. So I think, I don't know, like, there's a chance that Juzu will make it big and make his own Marvel movie, you know? Or he will continue being, like, changing lives around him on the smaller scale, but maybe as deeply important and valuable. I don't know. Juzo, what's your what's your dream to be happy? Wow. Expand. Experience. But I, I do like to be in Marvel movies. I, sure. I just yeah. thought about it recently. I've never thought about Marvel movies before. But, but now all movies are Marvel movies, so you have to. <laughs> yeah, but this year I start thinking about it a little bit. Mm. Because um you know, action, comedy, sci-fi, everything together. And, sure. and um, oh, that's kind of like me. I'm physical on stage yeah. and I pursue comedy, but also I pursue emotional drama on stage at the same time. That's kind of like a Marvel's, right? Forte. And, I, could, uh, I could see Juzo fitting in to like a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I see him there, like driving, like a little stick shift, uh, like a spaceship. Oh, oh okay, a stick oh my shift. God. Stick shift. <laughs> yeah, I can see Juzo in Ford versus Ferrari. As who? Ford. They gotta be ready to destroy that car. Yeah, yeah. I buy that voice. I think he's gonna do it. <laughs> and I'm interested in hearing um, comedy from different perspectives. I think Absolutely. that uh, you know, especially having English not as your first language, I think that that experience is a, I don't know, a lot of people share that experience and yet there's not a lot of representation of that. And even if you are a native English speaker, that sentiment of fish out of water, um, you know, trying something new or different is inspirational, is frequently hysterical and emotional and super valuable um, and something that I'm, I don't know, interested in seeing more of. And I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of that there is a, a greater hunger for that and and more room um, for those kinds of roles. Yeah, not only does it provide a, a a new perspective for people who are already in on comedy, right? But having those voices attracts new people. I I remember having a conversation with someone about the idea of a diversity initiative at a comedy theater like UCB and that person saying people of color don't want to be in the theater they don't they aren't interested in doing it well because they don't see themselves represented on the stage they don't they don't feel welcome if they right. knew that that perspective was in the theater and it was given a voice then maybe they would want to be involved. Otherwise, it doesn't occur to you maybe to even pursue that sort of dream. If you don't see yourself doing it, why would, you know, maybe you don't think you can do it or, you know, you should try. Or you just feel discouraged, right? When you imagine like yourself, you know, try to fit in somewhere where you probably are not welcome. And the moment you feel like you are encouraged, you are in that creative space where you can perform well. I think... Part of why maybe it's hard for some people to do well in Herald auditions, maybe myself included, maybe not, I don't know. But it's like because you don't even think that you have the tools that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Because the comedy that I bring to the table 
usually does not involve the aforementioned Marvel knowledge or things like that, you know, like sitcoms from the 1990s. Though you are on a movie form team. (laughs) I am on a movie form team and I wrote for Robot Chicken. (laughs) And that's the irony. Like there's the irony in there. So um, again, the answer is doing continuously what you think is right. And the other day I had actually very, a couple of days ago, I was writing a first draft of my new pilot and I was having such a hard time. Like I was just like, this is garbage. Everything is garbage. I'm going through the worst possible feelings about what I'm writing. Like, I don't know how to write. Why am I even a writer? Like how am I call, call myself a writer? And then I had an advice from someone who was a published poet for many years who told me, he said, well, you know, you have to hear your own voice in your head when you write. If you don't, that means you're writing as somebody else. And that's when you start feeling unhappy about your Mm -hmm. writing. And I was like, oh, my God, that just described like, yes, the day, the bad day that I was having when I was writing what I thought this tone and this Mm -hmm. project should be instead of what is in my head, really, and like really tuning into that station. And it had to do with like how probably the bad Herald editions that I had might have had is because I was trying to be like, like, well, what is the good Herald auditioner does instead of just being like, I don't fucking care. I'm just going to do what's right for Sasha. And Juzu is, again, a great example and an inspiration for me to always, I don't know what the struggles Juzu has by himself, you know, like for, you know, finding that voice every day when he goes on stage. But to me, when I see the result, he inspires me to be true to myself. And there's nothing, there's nothing harder and there's nothing more like i don't know important for an artist is to be true to who they are thank you <laughs> right. uh okay well that so. was my sexy voice it's working <laughs> we're all turned on <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right god damn it <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where the hosts will usually rate uh the subject of the episode uh you know so well, you know, we'll talk about our experience. We'll make a scale, and uh, we'll, we'll. I guess today we will rate a human being who's in the room with us. Hopefully, it'll end in tears or violence or <laughs> hugs. We don't know. All welcomed. <laughs> and so, for the listeners, for Juzo, uh, as a reminder for Gabe, the way that we do this, we try to find something that would be a ten on whatever the scale of the topic is, and then we place it. Uh, in respect to that, and so I'm. Thinking, Are you okay with being rated? Rate me hundred. <laughs> well, we do out of ten. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, so, I wasn't listening. I don't think I said it, but should we? Let's change it to a hundred for this episode. Okay, why not? Yeah, uh, let's get real specific. <laughs> so let's get real. Thinking about Juzo as a kind of outsider artist. Um, who uh, is is making art that that most people don't even know is out there makes me think about the subject of the documentary American Movie. Okay, I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's about uh, he, a filmmaker, it's a great film, mm-hmm, Mark Mark um, Borchard, I think is how you say his name. I don't actually know, but he is this you know blue collar guy trying to make a movie in Wisconsin, uh, a horror movie called coven even though it is spelled coven and this documentary american movie is about his process 
doing the whole thing from the ground up and you don't see the movie you know you get glimpses of the movie but it's really about him and all the things that he's going through trying to realize his vision and um you know i imagine coven is probably not a great movie i don't think it matters you know it's about his passion i think and whereas juzo is probably a more successful artist than mark borchard uh i think mark borchard is a is a an aspirational guy in his approach to his passion so i'm i would put him high i would rate him like a 90 on a 100-point scale. All right, the 100-point scale. I forgot for a second. <laughs> I was like, wait, 90 on a 10 scale? <laughs> and so if Mark Borchard, again, Mark, if I'm getting your name wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we hope he is listening. <laughs> if he's a 90, I would rate Juzo a 91. Yeah, I'm going to put him higher. Thanks indeed. Uh, please be generous, people. Thank you so much beforehand. <laughs> This is very, we can't be possibly objective in this part of the podcast. <laughs> I'm desperate for your approval, people. We, and we all are. That's why we're here today. <laughs> That's the only reason I, we do this podcast is because we're desperate for approval. Right. And Instagram likes have just lost their luster. And mm-hmm. We've got to move on and try something else. Um, uh, I would, I am going to, uh, because we are in the holiday season, I'm Beautiful. going to compare uh, the way I feel watching your comedy to a movie like The Family Stone, um, and here's why. Um, That movie made me laugh uh, and cry and self-harm. I'm kidding, it didn't do that. Um, But but laugh and cry, and I I really value uh, comedic experiences where I can feel, um, I don't know, the breadth of life experience. Like I, I think that there's something really beautiful about being able to make people laugh through feeling very emotional and express anger and I just a very it feels like a very full experience to me um but watching your comedy versus the movie is like when I watched that movie I got stressed out about bad things that were going to happen but I love watching you play emotional moments and roles because of the way that you transition into and out of those moments makes the audience feel like they're a part of it as opposed to laughing at someone and putting them down like you've said you are that character and I think that that's a different take that uh, really creates a, a, a unique experience for me. So I would say uh, on 1 to 100, I would say an 87. Just Woo! Because, just because that's how I feel. And where's Family Stone on that scale? Um, probably 78. Huh. Woo! Wow, huh. great. <laughs> Sasha, uh, since you are our guest today, we now come to you. How do you rate Juzo Yoshida? Mm. I would rate him as a performer that I enjoy, right? Like if you, Steven, looked at it as an outsider artist and Gabe looked at him as an emotional uh, bag of an experience, right? An yeah. emotional bag of an experience. That's, yeah. That describes Juzo very well. <laughs> right. It's on his business cards. I, I will just, you know, rate him as I know him, right? As a, a artist currently performing on stage in Los Angeles that I enjoy. And for years and years, my favorite probably not a secret to any listener i mentioned that before for years and years my favorite performer of all time on stage was jason manzukas i you know was religiously going to his team's uh, cage matches at ucb i still think that his one person uh, silent man improv that he won at that cage match was the best show of all time that I've 
ever seen live. The, Jason Mazzucas is a very talented performer. He's very much a brainiac, sort of the opposite of Juzu in the sense, not that Juzu is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I love to be called stupid. <laughs> but he is like smarter than most people, you know, Jason Mazzucas. So like a lot of his like even like good object work or anything he does, it's still like you feel sort of the, I don't know, the the intellect behind it, but you also feel a lot of judgment towards the audience. I think we've spoken about him before here. <laughs> like like he's so smart and he knows it that it, part of his act is that we all suck in comparison to him. <laughs> um, and that's may or may have not been a reason why he sort of faded for me a little bit as that, you know, um, my favorite performer. But I think in, in his height for me, on a hundred scale, he was probably a 91. The thing about Juzo is that um, he is like pure love. Like he's pure love on stage. And there is a sense of joy that he brings on stage into the people that um, Jason doesn't necessarily do. But for Juzo, joy um, is a big one is the pure joy that he experiences where he plays on performs on stage uh it's it, joy is is an emotion that audience members bring home with them after the show so i think he's 100 guys like juzu juzu is my yay yay what's juzu is my you know favorite performer what can i say like even if he's not doing well i'm still going to enjoy watching him juzu I, I just would pay money to just watch him just sit on the chair on stage for an hour because mm. there's just there's just always something going on. And I think he's the best comedian out there right now. Homie don't know how to act. <laughs> Juzo, would you like to rate yourself? I can't. I'm minus negative. Oh, I, I understand that impulse. I would probably say the same thing. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think uh, you have some data here right now to, to show you that you're wrong and that you are a very highly rated performer. And you can just sit on a chair on stage and start charging money because <laughs> I think that that'll work. I, I wish I could do it. At the very least, you will sell one ticket to Sasha. Just charge $10,000 no, for she's that done ticket. so much for me, so I can't charge her. Oh, she gets a comp. Juzo, what are you doing for New Year's? Tonight. Um, tonight. Probably play with my lovely cat bobo and then go to sleep early so that uh get up early in the morning to um go um up to hollywood um hills and then pray for new sunrise for new years mm, beautiful thanks to those prayers you know the sun still keeps rising i yes every morning I pray for everybody every morning juzo goes up to the hollywood sign and no, just uh, the first round of sunrise <laughs> i'm not a morning person for your information <laughs> Since the subject of the podcast is here, can we ask you just where we can see you? Like where the audience members see you these days mm -hmm. live performing? Other than FXX um, program called Cake, um, I do perform uh, regularly at the Lyric Hyperion and also at the Catsby um, fourth Sunday. Um, I open the 7.30 hour, usually solo bits lately, but um, this past November show, I play with Bill O'Neill, which is my teammate from Lyric Hyperion. Uh, he's a very, very talented performer as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you're on a couple of teams that people might see around town, right? And right now, I don't have any improv teams. So right now, I'm free willy. So if you want to cast me on your improv team, I'm here. 
I'm sure you'll see Juzo uh, again soon at the Moving Arts Theater. I love that show, by the way. People go see it. <laughs> uh, before we do our plugs, uh, there's the part of the show where we... Uh, the hosts of the show will recommend something for the audience to shut up and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go first. Uh, as we all know, it is December 31st. Uh, it is New Year's Eve right now. And um, I know a lot of people are probably thinking about their New Year's resolutions, probably uh, be healthier, work out more. And so if you're thinking about that, how to get in shape, there's a, a game for the Nintendo Switch that came out a couple months ago that is a fitness game. It's called Ring Fit Adventure, and it comes with a uh, Pilates ring, um, and you, you plug the controllers into the ring. You put one on the strap around your leg, and it, it's, it's a game. There's a story mode. You're going around fighting enemies, but you fight them by doing exercises. And it's a fun way to get a little workout. Probably not enough to get in shape. But, you know, <laughs> you got to start ripped. somewhere. Steven is ripped. Whatever was going on, he's doing it right. <laughs> That's so right. In the, in the month and a half since I got the Ring Fit Adventure game, I look good. Uh, so yeah, that would be my recommendation. Shut up and love Ring Fit Adventure. <laughs> Gabe, is there anything you would like the listeners to shut up and love? Yes, there is. Uh, there is a podcast that I really like called Spooked, hmm. and it is about a half-hour show. And it's there's a host who introduces this the episode, and then he throws it to um, first-person stories about paranormal stuff that's happened to them. And there'll be cool. like two or three. Uh, her episode from people around the world um and i like yeah it's it's interesting and it feels real like i i like the paranormal stuff um but it's short enough uh that you can binge it or i don't know it's not like a two-hour commitment or anything but that's what the newest thing that i found that i like great sasha anything you'd like to plug well half of uh Season 10, Robot Chicken is out. Another mm. half uh, comes out in, I want to say, May of t- 2020. So The year that's that. starting tomorrow. Yeah. So it's only four or five months away from the second <laughs> half of season 10 of Robot Chicken. And also come and see Stephen and I perform on direct-to-video, the aforementioned movie team that right. we are on. And it performs at Moving Arts Theater in Silver Lake, Los Angeles, and Hyperion Avenue every second and fourth Thursday of the month at nine o'clock. Gabe, anything you'd like to plug? I am currently working on a uh, a documentary about Whitney Houston that's going to be airing on the Lifetime Network um, on or around Mother's Day. Well, I think we should, uh, because today is New Year's Eve, I think we should end the podcast with a countdown so that our listeners can sync it up as they're watching Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve tonight. Um, and they can ring in the new year with the four of us. I think that'd be really cute. 10, 11, Nine, eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Zero! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year!